Um, what I really wanted to talk to you today about is the crucial um, importance of the validation in a test bed. What, uh, the reason being is there's still a lot of um, ADAS development going on out in the industry and a lot of people are, you see in the news articles that um, these level four trucks and these robo taxis being out on the real world and real, um, in the real environment. And sometimes I know the media doesn't help, but at the same time, it's one of those things where it can kind of scare people off and with some of these issues that have occurred and how um, is it truly safe to ride in one of those and how do you go about those, uh, the safety aspect of it. And where AVL comes into play is we all actually love to offer and talk with other customers and collaborate with them in how you can do this safely, right? Um, that means not only are you taking this from a software, you know, um, model and loop kind of perspective, and you are moving towards a actual validation in a test bed with an actual vehicle, and you can push the limits and boundaries instead of doing that on the real road. And that also entails going, starting with the engineering background, right? Engineering um, efforts of developing this entire matrix of um, the safety functionality and a customer may or may not have their operational design domain already put out. So how does that play with the safety functionality? What, how does that all fit in together? And what criteria do I really have to test to make sure I give the consumers, you know, our clientele or for the, um, our client, um, the consumers and the end users to feel safe about um, operating or being in one of these vehicles. And way that um, you can really go into about this is step by step. Like I said, starting with the model and loop so that you're developing um, your limitations and you can really work around how you can get the, the boundaries of your operational design domain. Um, that also means you are finding out my, you know, either sensors or perception algorithm has its limitation and then you're starting to do some um, basic development and you're working through the, you're working through the development and um, improvement of those, right? And what happens after is people like to do the actual hill, which is, you know, hardware and loop, which in the end, it's great that you can test out all these, you know, radar sensors, LIDAR, um, you know, the camera, everything individually. But the question is, how does that all work together and fit together as an entire system? And that's where we come in with some, uh, we call on driving cube, but it is essentially a vehicle in loop. What that means, you're not only, you could do one of two ways. You can either um, test out your, you know, perception stack, you can be validating your sensors. And that means you're either injecting, you know, to the actual, um, ECU of the objects that you want the vehicles to think it's seeing so you can test out um, how the vehicle behaves in a certain scenario or you can also do certain stimulants and this will help um, run through so many different scenarios from a safety perspective. For example, you are talking about a lady crossing the road out of nowhere and you can do go through so many different scenarios with that you know one specific item and we call that you know generating test cases 
Um, it's with certain scenarios, it's a combination of it. You have a lady walking across, but the question is, is a, um, is a visibility time of the day going to play into a factor for the sensors? Or is it going to be one of those, you have just a single lady walking by without no ve other vehicles, no um, blind spots or anything like that. So how do you generate all of this and how do you go about testing this to make the consumers feel safe is that's why we have all of these specific scenarios and you can test and generate a bunch of different test cases with um, the variation, co varying combinations of these scenarios. Um, and then that way uh, people can take that into either maybe a chassis dyno or a powertrain test, but there's obviously pros and cons with each type. Um, of setup, you can, with the powertrain test bed, you can be a little bit more, um, you can push the test limits and you ha can have more dynamic testing compared to chassis dyno, but chassis dyno does allow you to do a lot more um, certification type of testing and it's an easy, you pull in, you strap everything down and you're able to um, continue with the testing. So there's a couple different areas that you can do this with a vehicle and loop, but in the end is, you're able to do this safely in a Tesla environment. You're not, and you're not putting anybody, and I mean anybody as in the driver or the pedestrian or other vehicles, um, other people in any harm's way. And to make the end user in the end um, feel more comfortable about this, you're able to re do a repeatable testing. And in a scientific community, that's crucial, right? Repeatability and validating your results. So if we're able to support these, you know, um, ADAS development OEMs or, you know, these um, robo-taxi companies to support that and say, hey, you know, we can support you guys in the validity and the repeatability of your testing, um, that's going to be huge going in the next step because we right now the regulation still lacks a little bit and people are still trying to figure out, okay, what is a safe uh, criteria, uh, when does a driver have to take ownership of it versus when can the uh, vehicle still operate and do all of that on its own. So there's still a lot of question and being able to test everything out and being able to offer that um, really goes a long way and provides the comfort that we have not had up to now. The reason why I think automated driving will be safe in the future is as long as we have enough repeatable data to support the algorithm and the um, the AI basically, artificial intelligence that's going into the vehicle, um, I'd be comfortable with it as well. And it will provide for a very safe environment. Mm -hmm. But it also comes with, right now, SAE is about the only really ha categorization from level zero to five. And it's great that we have this categorization from level zero to five, but we have certain, you know, if we have a level four driving capability out in Arizona or in the West Coast, somewhere where it's mostly sunny, no, you know, hardly any rain, no snow, how does that impact the rest of the nation? Like, is it still considered level four out in Michigan in the winter times? And that has to be defined in order for people to really get um, 
really be able to test the limitation of the vehicles. That's gonna be the truth and reality of it. We can have all these, you know, quote unquote level fours, but if we can't operate in certain states or, you know, it's not gonna be very valuable and people are gonna be very reluctant to drive and we have to go through all of those test cases and consider the variations that we have. Um, if even if it's not just overseas of a global level but at least even if it's the united states we have to consider everything and that's why vehicle and loop with all these different environmental factors is going to be a key thing and doing all of that validation